Welcome to the Transitional Space Podcast. We have a pretty cool show this week. My friend Natalie from the Discord. She's one of our Discord mods. And she's also from South Africa. South Africa? She's also from South Africa. So we talked to her about, you know, kind of the differences between what it's like being trans in America versus what it's like being trans in South Africa. And... Yeah, so we just talk about that kind of stuff. Really fun episode. Hope y'all enjoy it. Anyway, see you guys next time. There he is. See, now, now Craig's in. Yeah, it's always, okay. I don't know, it always sounds funny. Craig sounds funny when he joins in. Um, but anyway, before we start, how do, how do I pronounce your name? It's it's um really tricky. It's it's you know I had to do I had to do a Hades name in the um I just can't remember what country she's from now again, but I had to do it in her accent. But your name it is it it's just Natalie or is it like yeah, do you say um... it differently? Yeah, my name's Natalie Cuthbert. Okay, well, it sounds cooler in the South African. <laughs> um, with your, with your yeah, I mean, I guess that, that that's actually something. I mean, that, that I wouldn't like. I mean, most countries there's like no one South African accent. I'd say you know, sort of there's just so many cultures in a country. I mean, that's where the whole Rainbow Nation kind of cliche comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of just in in a sense, you know, sort of it's a very melting pot of cultures in a way. Yeah, I love. Um, have you ever seen Blood Diamond? I actually haven't. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. He he's not from South Africa because he's from um, he's from Zimbabwe, which they, I think they used to call it Rhodesia. Or did I get that wrong? No, no, you're cor- you're correct. Yeah, that's what yeah. they used to call it before they achieved independence. Yeah, so he has like a like kind of like a Rhodesian, um, because you know he's the movie is kind of set back a little time, a little like you know twenty years back or whatever. So he has that kind of accent, but then he spent a lot of time in South Africa, so he has like, a little bit of like a South African accent, like just a little in there. Yeah, I think I think celebrities actually, particularly the city I stay in, I think they actually quite like it because they don't get bothered too much here, um, and it's quite relatively developed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about um, District Nine? Have you seen that? Yeah, everyone everyone is asking about that one. Um, yeah, of course I've seen that one. Um, I'm very into sci-fi. Do, so, so actually... that's a... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go, go, you go. <laughs> um, I was just, I, I don't know, I love accents. Like, there's no accent that sounds bad to me. So I was just curious, do, are the, do the accents in District 9, do they, um, are they close to what, what y'all have over there? Or? The, the lead actor in that film is South African. Oh. So he nailed he, that, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty close then. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if he's Afrikaans. He could very well be, but that that that's a very typical Afrikaans South African accent. I I love that movie. I love that. Yeah, the uh, what's interesting is I always just wonder sort of what foreigners think of the film because it's actually a, it's a commentary on I guess sort of South African politics um, in terms of sort of the you know sort of rampant inequality here. So so I guess I guess in in sort of I suppose the aliens in that film are almost um, I'd imagine meant to represent what the they're called the Swat Khafar, uh, which was the black um, danger. Um, you know, there's sort of like a lot of lot of anxiety amongst white people. I think, well, particularly uh, just before, um, you know, sort of the first elections that, um, you know, sort of w- when there was this transition of power that there'd be no place for white South Africans in the country. Um, but I think there's also like a whole bunch of like, just yeah <laughs> i don't know that movie is like surprisingly deep for a pew pew uh, alien space movie yeah i'm not especially qualified to talk about that <laughs> yeah it's a really cool movie and i like how it has like you can just watch it on the surface if you just want to zone out and like oh cool aliens and like fighting and there's action and stuff but also if you really want to dive into it it has that like kind of um I don't know, I think y'all had, like, a apartheid. And um, here in the South and the Southern United States, we had, like, Reconstruction. And then we had our own type of time where we just, everything was separate. We had, like, the separate but equal time, which is, like, you know, bull, bull crap and, you know, really wrong. But, you know, so, like, the United States went through our own time, kind of similar. Like, you know, not not exactly the same because you know, lifestyles and everything are totally different over here. But um, anyway, so talking about trans stuff, um, I've been really excited like to do the podcast with you to talk about um, trans issues in, in Africa. Because I think a lot of people in the United States, um, not that people in, in the United States, because it's an easy joke to say that, that, that people here are like not cultured and we see every country in africa as people living in huts and all we see is like terrorism in the northern part of africa and you know drug wars in the middle and the south southern part but you know we're not we're not dumb like we know that there's big cities there's you know tall buildings there's electricity there's internet all that kind of good stuff but still i think still in the back of our minds we think transitioning in Africa would be super dangerous compared to what it is here. Um, is it like that over there? Like, do you like fear walking out of your door every day because you're trans or? So that, that, I mean, obviously is a bit of a, bit of a nuanced, well, it's a question that deserves a bit of a nuanced answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess sort of, at least I can only really speak for South Africa. Um, which um, I think I, I'm lucky to have been born here than some of the other countries. Um, um, it, so basically during, so, so, you know, South Africa is a very young democracy, you know, sort of, um, we, 
South Africa only sort of gained, well, apartheid only really ended officially in 1994. Um, and, and as part of that sort of transition process, um, we, uh, they kind of created this uh, constitutional um, democracy. Um, so, so unlike many other, you know, sort of countries, uh, you know, where you've got like a constitution that's hundreds of years old, we had the opportunity to sort of um, build a new constitution from scratch. And so sort of the consequence of that is we've got one of the most um, sort of progressive um, constitutions probably in the world. Um, and, and so sort of uh, sort of trans people have, I mean, obviously the, there was a little bit of a legal battles and stuff, but I think we've got quite a lot of, a lot of rights and protections. Um, but the, the strange thing is, despite having such a like a progressive constitution, like a lot of a, a lot of South African culture is quite conservative about these kind of things. So there's this weird contrast. And obviously, um, there, there are many different cultures here, and obviously, uh, people people in the different cultures view trans people in different ways. Um, and then there's obviously the education bit as well. Um, and I think that one's probably more of a problem than anything else. Um, I don't think, for example, if you go into store, um, you know, sort of I, I get misgendered all the time. Um, but people are being polite, but they sort of just aren't aware that there are people like me around, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and but I think it's also sort of, I think South Africa is in many ways similar to America in terms of like healthcare as well. Um, like healthcare, like do you mean um, like in America it's basically um, like, you know, like in, in the, we hear in the discord all the time, like in the UK, people have to wait years to get HRT. Um, but in America, we can just, you know, there are places to get it for free and, and low cost and stuff. But basically, if you have the money, you can get it next week if you wanted to. Is it the same over there? Like if I wanted to start HRT next week in Africa, I could just, if I had the money, I could, I could pay somebody. Yeah, so um, it's kind of, I guess, a mixture. So if if you, m most people who can afford it will use private medical um, care. Um, and, and there it's sort of really up to the doctor. So the one that I went to, um, she herself is trans. Um, and so the, the steps that I needed to actually get access to hormones was I, I booked an appointment with her and told her, I was trans, she asked if I have sort of friends and uh, sort of just general support. Um, then she just made me get a blood test and then I came back uh, and, then, and then she sort of basically just prescribed me uh, HRT. And I was kind of that simple, but, but uh, you know, sort of, I, I'm, I'm sort of fairly lucky in that I'm sort of, uh, I can afford that and I think, for, for people who can't, there is all of those hoops that you'd see in the UK. Um, it, I think it can take quite a while. Yeah, like having to wait for the government and stuff. Um, I'm glad that there's some type of uh, 
like um, informed consent going on over there. And then it still sucks if you don't have the money, you got to wait. But it is nice in the same sense, like they have, you have that option, you know, to, to get it. Um, what about like, uh, like support over there? Like I know like, like here in, I think almost every big city in the United States has an LGBT plus center. Um, so it's like a little uh, community center, nonprofit place. Usually they do like HIV testing for free. They have free or low cost um, therapy. They let support groups meet there. And um, so like, do they have LGBT centers in South Africa or is that like not really a thing? No, they they are. Um, they are they are. Um, there there is sort of also I know that for example my the psychologist I go to, she also sort of runs a sort of a group therapy session for young trans people at the Red Cross Hospital. Um, so there is definitely some of that. It's it's obviously just not as probably institutionalized maybe as other countries. Um, and it only really is in the larger cities, but like, what, what larger? Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at this. Someone, someone sent in the channel. It's like a Natalie Wynn meme. Oh yeah, that was me. I put the distresses hissing meme in there. Um, how many big like, like you have um, uh, Johannesburg or Jayburg as the locals call it, right? Yeah, Joburg. So oh, I was close. Uh, that's very funny, though. Um, I don't know why. Um, it was just I remember someone I worked with accidentally called it Joburg, and we kind of ruthlessly mocked him for <laughs> quite a while. Oh, there's uh, Joburg. Um, what other big big cities are there? So Joburg's the biggest in South Africa, and uh, Cape Town is pretty large too um and and then you've sort of got pretoria as well um and durban so we've actually got three official capital cities um which is a little bit strange um it's like very symbolic separation of powers i guess you know, sort of the courts on the one city, the parliaments in the other, the president is in another place. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, all right, so uh, say, say, just imagine if 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 I was trans for a moment, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't have to imagine, but sure. <laughs> Let's just pretend that I'm trans for a few minutes, and I'm gonna take. I, I really want to go to visit South Africa one day. Um. Mm -hmm. But let's imagine that I'm trans and I'm and I'm planning a trip to South Africa. Is there anything like, like, uh, that I should, like, because I went to Colombia with somebody that I was dating before, and he told me to kind of like, you know, dress, like, don't wear anything with like logos on it, don't act American, um. You know, don't like I when I speak Spanish, my my Spanish sounds obviously American Spanish. Um, 
and like basically he was like don't go anywhere without me um you know like that kind of stuff and, and dress down wear plain clothes is there anything like like that i should do when i go to visit south africa or is it just i could just wear like the fanciest dress i want to and walk down the street and have no problems um it, that really depends on what kind of areas you go to mm-hmm. um i think so there are definitely places in south africa like that but i mean the for example cape town i'd say is like generally pretty safe um you know sort of during the daytime it's you should be like good in and sort of the like majority of the cbd um what's what's yeah i think uh sorry uh, like the central business district or whatever sort of where all of the you know sort of the, the main sort of city center i guess okay like, like down t- downtown area yeah. okay yeah um i think it's it's sort of i think what sometimes happens though is sort of uh tourists and stuff um it's not that they're like wearing anything in particular or sort of uh, dressing in a particular way or speaking in a particular way it's just more i think uh letting their guard down if that makes sense um you know sort of you, if you're walking at night and the street is entirely empty um uh, that kind of a thing don't letting you know sort of that that's the main i think danger and stuff yeah just and not carrying being, their concealed weapon and yeah or just being aware of your surroundings really um you know if someone starts following you just like try and find a safe place to like uh wait until they you know pass and stuff like that yeah um but yeah they're 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 americans here all the time um you know students and stuff wow that's cool so i could i can wear my like uncle sam shirt with like my big flag and i'd be i'd be okay I mean, they might, they might actually think you're a gang member. Oh, that would be even better then. Unless yeah, I'm from the, the wrong gang. There's a gang, there's a gang called the Americans. Um, <laughs> she spotted a gang member the other day. You can tell because they, they kind of have um, a bandana hanging out one of their pockets with the American flag on it. I'm sorry, that just sounds so funny. like I'm I'm picturing like just the most stereotypical Americans. Like like you have like um a guy and a wife beater with like hair all over his shoulders and like a beer gut. <laughs> like the Americans, like and then there's like a valley girl with like on a cell phone with like a poodle purse. And like <laughs> I'm sorry, I was that was a bad joke. I, it, it wasn't it's not not those kind of Americans. <laughs> Um, uh, that's going to be the name of the podcast. Um, the American, what, what would they call the Americans? <laughs> the gang called the, the Americans. Americans. Um, so, all right. So I remember you were telling me that you, you had, uh, just recently, not like recently, like yesterday, but like in the past year or so you, this is when you've, um, started your transition. And so like, what was that whole process like? Like, <laughs> from coming out at your job to going on HRT to getting them, you know, the medical stuff to doing the social transition. 
I'm, I'm just curious if it's the same kind of like in a roundabout way if it's the same kind of linear kind of progression that we have here in the states and that probably like the uk and belgium and australia all the other people have or if it's a unique way of transitioning in africa well um i don't know if it's i could really speak to any other you know sort of trans people in my country um i don't know i i, I did it in a very direct way so um yeah, it was obviously some interesting time. So it was basically, it wasn't even a year. It was sort of towards the end of October. Um, I'd been sort of hanging out with a sort of non-binary friend of mine for for a while. Um, we'd been making kind of like a video game together. And for a long time before that i just sort of you know had felt a bit uncomfortable and sort of my gender and stuff um and i was sort of in this very weird um context we were house sitting uh, this is sort of my girl girlfriend and i we were house sitting in, in this sort of um, little remote seaside town at the time and I, th I think it just eventually got sort of too much you know sort of the whole like there was just like a bit of a gender crisis and then i remember just um coming home the one evening and sort of we were sharing a vulnerable moment and i just kind of blurted that out blurted, like and you blurted what out like you just blurted out that, that i think i said i mean i think i might be trans or at least non-binary um and that, that was that was difficult because her kind of reaction was was the sort of and I'm I'm sure that's quite a common reaction. Um, it felt as though I was dead. If that makes sense. Like after you said it, you felt like you were dead, or like no. Well, I mean, it, it felt as though for, for my girlfriend, um, it was as though I had died. If that if that makes sense, you know. So oh. that, it felt like there was this distinct kind of uh, grieving process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah um but yeah after that sort of thing things kind of moved quite quickly it was sort of um yeah it was probably about a week after that that i sort of told my um co-founder um that that i was trans um sort of in, in that time sort of my girlfriend and i broke up um I think later we kind of, you know, sort of reconciled a bit and we still sort of talk all the time. We're still good friends. Um, but yeah, after that, so it was a week, I told my co-founder um, about three weeks after that, told everyone in the company, uh, like a week after that, blurted it out on Facebook and Instagram and all the social medias. Um, yeah, and then sort of, I guess the next step I took was sort of then scheduling like a doctor's appointment and stuff. And that was all very quick as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I felt like so much has happened since then. Did you go to any um, like uh, like mental health counseling, uh, mental health therapy? 
Yeah, I started uh, seeing sort of a clinical psychologist. Um, that was one of the first things that it's just been very helpful. Um, what else, like, um, how did it, like, okay, so you, uh, you run a tech, a technology company, like a tech company. Um, yeah. like, uh, like, uh, the, I was trying to make a joke with, uh, Facebook in South Africa, but all I could think of was Southbook. <laughs> but anyway. That was a you, valiant attempt. I gave it the old college try. Um, so you, you run this tech company and you have people who work for you. Um, hmm. so how did the, how did the people who work for you take it? Because like. Usually, it's always when when you hear transitioning stories, it's always like I have to tell my boss and the people above me. But we rarely hear, you know, I have to tell the people that that work for me. And and how did they like um, react to it and and stuff like that? Um, I think it was it was really positive, actually. I mean, I think luckily it. When you know, sort of when we were hiring people and stuff, it kind of gave us the opportunity to obviously choose people who not only we thought were going to be good at the jobs, but also just were really nice people. Um, and I mean, even before I knew I was trans, you know, sort of I, um, you know, sort of been really good friends with sort of you know queer, queer people. So I, I think I was very lucky in, in that. I mean, and also sort of, I, there was also, I wasn't the only sort of uh, queer person in the company as well, which also probably helped. Um, yeah, I did that over, over a video call, um, which I felt was probably a lot easier than doing it in person. Um, just because once you end the call, then you've got a bit of time to sort of recover. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, the, the one thing I would say, just going back to your, sort of your original question about sort of transition, uh, transitioning in South Africa, um, is sort of the education part. Um, and I think that was something I really struggled with. Um, because you didn't really learn about, you know, trans people in school and stuff. Um, and so, so, so really the only, like the first exposure I had to sort of trans people was through, through porn. And I think that was something I really struggled with for a long time was sort of understanding that, you know, sort of, I'm not, wasn't like kind of a sexual deviant or pervert. It's just sort of, that was, I guess, for a long while, you know, the only exposure I had to trans people. And then it was only after I started meeting all of these awesome queer people that I started re realizing that, you know, it was something I could actually do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same, not only in, in, uh, in, in South Africa, but how, how was my accent right there? Was it, was it pretty good? That, that was a South African accent, definitely. Oh, nice. 
Um, I can, I I have this thing where I can only say like two words in every accent around the world, but then it just stops at two words. The and the two words can be totally random. They cannot make sense, but I get two for each accent. <laughs> but like I think that's like, you know, in America we didn't have trans people in my textbook. Maybe when I got to high school, like during like sex ed kind of, they had like a queer kind of LGBT section. And they had maybe like one trans person like stuck in the corner. But like and or maybe I'm confusing high school with college then too. And I know for sure in middle school and elementary school it, it wasn't in the in textbooks. And I'm I'm assuming that's probably similar for countries all around the world up until recently. But I don't I don't think your country or my country is any exception to that. I do like with with the um like with the internet being bigger, like are there many um like trans like YouTubers, South African trans YouTubers or TikTokers or anything like that that you because I can trying to think of some that I can't I can't think of any. Not aware of really any trans YouTubers, to be honest, um, in, from South Africa. Um, not sure about TikTok. There may be a few. Uh, not really on, on that side of things. But yeah, I'd say the, that kind of community isn't huge as is in South Africa. Um, yeah, I guess it's like... It's a small community to begin with, you know, worldwide. And then when you narrow narrow it down to a, a single country like like that, it's it gets even smaller. Um, I'm just reading through some stuff about like LGBT rights in South Africa. Um, so you all had same sex marriage, and it looks like in 2005 or six, we all had it for a little while now, longer than we have, I think. Oh, no, wait. No, yeah. Wait. Oh, yes. No, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of what, a, coming back to what I was saying in sort of the beginning, which is sort of that because we've got such a modern constitution, a lot of a lot of those kind of personal rights are protected. Um, for example, also weed has um, more or less become legal sort of just due to the right right to privacy. So basically there's a recent court case that um, if you were growing plants on your property and it was sort of for personal consumption, the police can't search your property because they're invading your privacy or something along those lines. And then I'm reading, have you ever heard of, oh gosh, what is this? Um, I gotta pull up the name of this thing sounded so so like nefarious. Where is this? There's this group apparently in South Africa that um oh gosh. I just saw it and now it's now it's escaping me. I did read though that um there is legislation that 
allows people trans people in South Africa to change their documents, right? So like their driver's license and um like your equivalent to like a birth certificate, things like that. Is that is that true or yeah, so the the requirements of that are basically you need two letters from some sort of a medical professional um, it, indicating that you started medically transitioning. So that also includes hormones. Um, the main problem with that is just because our bureaucracy is so inefficient, it, it just takes a really long time and they often make mistakes. Um, because it's, I guess, a fairly unusual process. So it, it can take, you know, sort of, you can change your first name very easily, um, but it can take, you know, up to like six months for that to actually go through. Um, for changing your gender, that, that's even even worse. <laughs> but that's not because of any laws or anything, it's just because of this, um, just, just incompetence, basically. Yeah. Um, okay, so I found the name of that group. Have you ever heard of uh, Contra Lisa or the Congress of Traditional Leaders of South Africa? Um, are you looking at sort of some of the interesting laws? That that's a, quite a controversial thing. Um, oh, this is an NGO. Right? So, yeah, this is a, a non-governmental group. I mean, I'm guessing they have some people in the government who are like a part of this group. And I guess um, there's another group called the UDF that supports them, the United Democratic Party. Uh, yes. Um, so those those aren't really, to honest, anything to worry about. Um, I funny enough, actually, I seem to have visited this Wikipedia page um, for that group. Um, yeah, so the, so that that's actually like the whole traditional leaders stuff. That's a very controversial part of South African law. Um, so, so essentially, um, the, the role of traditional leaders is in, enshrined in our sort of laws as well. Um, it's kind of strange. You can basically opt into a second set of laws and sort of subject yourself to, you know, sort of, um, for example, the Zulu king or whatever. Um, who actually, funny enough, died the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that group probably would have enough sway to get that through. Though, I mean, I don't want to be complacent around that, but... Yeah. I wonder if that's, like, kind of similar to, like, some of the, like, the Holy Roller groups that we have that like they kick up enough uh controversy and they get they get a, a lot of like a lot of like media attention mostly from people that like you know people aren't going out and consuming their material because of you know the material is good it's mostly people sharing their stuff around saying that look how crappy their their viewpoints are you know we need to stop this and then that gets shared more you know what i mean like so that's how they get their their notoriety you know it's not because people like their stuff and say hey let's let's all support this it's more of oh my god these people are doing something terrible let's share this around um so i wonder if it's like you know like the 
Westboro Baptist types of of the United States. There are there are a huge amount of religious sort of uh, groups in South Africa, particularly you know sort of uh, Christian sects um, that do frown upon any sort of non hat sort of lifestyles. Um, but I, I guess it's sort of that that's much less present in the cities. Um, it's mostly a more small town thing. Oh, can you speak um, Afrikaans? Afrikaans? Uh, yeah, I had to endure it during school. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's like a, a weird, weird dynamic sometimes. I think between um, English South Africans and Afrikaans South Africans. <laughs> um, yeah, I had to I had to learn it in school. I mean, I can still probably speak it at a very basic level and understand it a little bit better. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, let, let me attempt some butchered Afrikaans. Any Afrikaans people listening, please forgive me. Kuyamora, Ari, who handed? What does that mean? Uh, good morning, Ari. Uh how is it going? I mean, uh, you can say lacquer. Uh, what, what if I say it is depressive? It is? Yeah, it is depressive. I'm trying to say I'm trying to say I am depressed in Afrikaans. Oh right, 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 right. Sorry. Um, I should actually know that word. A lot, so um, many of the Afrikaans set book books. I feel it's like kind of also like Russian literature, where um, you know so much of the literature is just incredibly depressing fiction. Yeah, that, but that's like the best. Kind of like those old, like kind of like Gothic style, like German, like I don't know. Those are just it. Just I don't know the way they write. German language too is just sounds so like it always sounds so drab and like dreary, but it's also cool in a way. Like I don't know. Yeah, there is that sort of. It's it's closer to what's that like famous painting um that like rural gothic people with pitchforks? It's like an American painting, I think. Oh, um I should I should know the name of it. <laughs> but I don't. I know the one you're talking about. It has like the two like plain looking people. American Gothic, I think it's the name. American Gothic. Yeah. So I, I guess, like, sort of in one life, you have this African equivalent, um, Afrikaans Gothic. <laughs> um, now I'm thinking of a goth emo band who own, who sings in Afrikaans. <laughs> oh, there's actually quite a lot of that. I mean, I think South Africa, when I was growing up, went through this massive, probably like the rest of the world, like, kind of very um, emo phase. 
Do they do the um, like the uh, almost like my hair is now, but it's not as like accentuated. But like, like they have like the bangs like brushed in front of their face, and it's like swept to one side. Did they? Did y'all do that over there? Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, listening to My Chemical Romance and oh yeah, um, like you know, all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> that was really big when I was at school. Yeah, I still listen to My Chemical Romance. Even though I'm an, I'm an adult, I still listen. Some of my clients too, like they they love my chemical romance. It's cool to see the the zoomers getting in on it. Um, let me go back to all right. So train like so medicine, just medicine in general. Because I'm like, <laughs> I don't mean to sound American again, but. I'm I'm thinking, all right. So like my my medication. This is gonna sound really um, really. I, I don't mean to be offensive by this question, <laughs> so please don't take offense to it. But does your do you, so like you get a script from your doctor, right? Like a prescription. Um, are the Are the pharmacies like the same that they are here, where you have to like go in and you you give them you give them your prescription and then you wait a few hours, and then they just have the medicine right for you, or is it something that they have to like special order? Because even over here, sometimes with like you know, estradiol is not a common like medication unless you're in menopause, so they might have to order it in. Is it like kind of similar there, or so? Actually, not sure because, um, like, like I mentioned, sort of my my doctor, my GP is sort of trans herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so she sees a lot of trans patients, and so what she actually did is, um, she sort of especially um, has a kind of an arrangement with the labs to sort of um, compound uh, all the hormones. That she like gives to her patients. So I actually don't go into a pharmacy um, to get needles or supplies or sort of any of the hormones. Um, I just go back to back to her office. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then they they compound them too. So like um, in America, when you say compounding your medications, that's basically taking like if say I take I take ten different medications every day. I should probably do this, but. They basically take those medications and and uh, break them down and then put them into one or two tablets. Is that what compounding over there means, or? Yeah, I guess it just means making custom medicine, I suppose. Um, so, in my case, um, I, I take sort of an injection once a week uh, with estradiol. If I butchered the pronunciation there, estradiol uh, valerate. Um, so, yeah, and I guess that's interesting because I was, you know, sort of a, I see a lot of people in, in the sort of um, server, they are injecting themselves intramuscularly. Yeah. Um, and basically, I was told sort of that there was like quite new, newish research that said sort of injecting it sort of into fat rather, like sub- subcutaneously. Um, is just as effective um, and comes with a whole bunch of sort of upsides and that you 
much less likely to bleed and so on. It's a bit less painful. Um, so I was just wondering about that. It seems like a lot of doctors are still telling everyone to do it sort of into muscle, which sounds really sore. <laughs> it is, yeah. And the needles can be quite big if you have a little bit of like meat to get through to get to your muscle. So if you have some some junk in the trunk, if you're doing you know um, a, a butt injection or whatever, um, I can get away with a, an inch long needle on my thigh. But some people like inch and a quarter, so the needle is quite or inch and a half. Yeah, and going to the muscle too, <laughs> it sucks. Unless yeah, you just have, um, it, have it in really quick, but yeah. uh, with the government, yeah. yeah, with the government ones, it's a bit different. So if you go through a government hospital, um, there sort of I think some of the barriers is just there's a lot of a backlog to get a, a psychological evaluation because uh, that's their prerequisite. Uh, if you don't go private, um, and I know, I know one other person who did go through the government system and they seem to be still getting prescribed uh, tablets. Um, but it sounds like they'll eventually switch over to sort of injections. Uh, I, I think the tablets are just sort of easier for the doctors in terms of sort of workload in the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I took tablets for for years. I didn't I didn't switch over to um to injections until about a year ago. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the one one unfortunate thing is that um most most of the sort of medical aids that I don't I don't know if that's what you is a medical aid a thing in the US. Um, a medical aid like an assistance device. Oh, okay, maybe maybe it's is it a healthcare plan? I think you might call it a healthcare plan. Oh, like an insurance plan? Yes, yes. Um, so unfortunately, the unless you go the very 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 expensive sort of uh, plan, um, like sort of uh, tra trans medication isn't covered, which oh, is a bit okay. unfortunate. Uh, or, or sort of operations and stuff. Um, yeah, but, but on the upside, it's, mm -hmm. on the upside, medicine isn't quite as expensive in, as in the US, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. You're getting close to the snack. The snack. <laughs> tell me about the snack. So, what is the snack? And why? Yeah, the, the snack. Well, or the snake. Don't don't step on the snake. Um, do you know where that's from? I've seen it around, but I'm actually not sure where the origins of that are. Alright, so it's based on a thing called the Gadsden flag. And the Gadsden flag is from... It's from, like, the, the revolutionary times. So basically, uh... What they were were trying to say was like you know like the um the British were kind of like stepping on our rights, and like you if you step on a snake you're gonna the snake usually strikes and bites you back right um yeah yeah so that's like the 
that's like in a nutshell that's it and then also there was like another flag that that benjamin franklin made which is basically the the colony like he took a snake he drew a snake and he put like one section was like new york and south carolina north carolina and vermont he put all the colonies and they were all split up or chopped up and and the flag is says join or die so basically all the fly, all the um colonies had to be united as one or they would all die individually uh, and then from that came the gadsden flag don't step on the snake or don't tread on me because if you do i'm gonna fight back it's it's basically how it is and then some people now say it's like like alt-right groups use it as like a hate thing which i think is just ridiculous in my personal opinion i think it's just more like people have like used it as a meme so much that it's gotten attached to so many different things i use it as in jest you know like as a joke kind of thing but also like semi-serious like i don't know <laughs> but yeah that's that's basically the snake but also but you were saying like in america like prescriptions in your country were cheaper than prescriptions in america and um my like like i was saying like don't step on the snake like i was gonna i was gonna say back like my prescriptions are free i don't pay anything <laughs> um for That's my interesting. Estra- yeah my estradiol is free um now some of my medications i do pay for because i have quite a bit of uh um you know like medical needs like i have like my, my broken back my broken hips the the stint in my Wait, is, is this shit all from from playing football no no um football made it worse because i came back a little too soon uh that's that's why i'm coaching this year instead of playing so as to like not hurt myself anymore but um like i'm being tested like i i might have an auto like I don't want to get put it too much on me for the for the show, but like I might have like an autoimmune disorder, so I take a bunch of different medications that I do have to pay for. But the prices for those medications, like my portion of the price, is like one is two dollars, one is a dollar fifty, one's fifty cents. The most expensive one, which is funny, is the one I take for pain, and I used to pay sixty dollars a month for a month supply of that pain medication. And then now I pay $15 for a month supply of pain medication because they, they switched me to a different medication that was a little bit cheaper. Um, but my HRT meds, like my estrogen, one of my blood pressure pills, um, if I took spironolactone, which I, I took it again a couple months ago for a little bit, little bit because my testosterone went up, but Spyro was free, and then also, um, what's the name of that stuff that you take for hair, hair loss? Uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think drawing, of drawing. Drawing a blank there. <laughs> Me too. But anyway, <laughs> that medication, since it was also like, you know, deemed for my transition, um, you know, men take it all the time for, um, to prevent hair loss. Can't remember what the name of it, but anyway, that that medication was free. So all of my HRT stuff is just 
it's free. My therapy is free. The um, the blood tests that, are free. Is that through insurance or how does that work? <clears throat> um, no, that's through a program that that's in my city. So they take the government pays. The the government give grant gives grants to different um organizations. So the organization that that I'm a part of, they do like um drug testing and sexual health uh education um they give a uh, pre-exposure phylaxis which is like the drug that that can help prevent uh hiv which i also get that for free um so as long as that as long as that organization is doing that sexual health part then the they can use their funds kind of uh, not any way they want to, but like they can kind of like finagle around a little bit. So like the doctor is seeing me for sexual health reasons, but while he's seeing me, he's like, "Is there any other stuff we need to talk about?" And then, you know, that's when the HRT stuff comes up and things like that. So, um, in America, there's a lots of those kind of things that like they don't get as much coverage in the news. But there's lots of organizations that get gets money from the government. The government doesn't give the people directly money, but the government gives grants to these like nonprofit organizations. And then it's up to the people to kind of like locate them and sign up and kind of do that kind of stuff with it. But um That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So people think like America is this with like capitalistic wasteland which i mean in a lot of ways it is like in a, in a lot a lot of ways it is but on the same side like there's it's not as bad as like i always say america is like the easy joke you can easily say that americans are like you know dumb when it comes to foreign stuff you can say that we're uh we don't have any health care coverage but i mean it's it's not it's not black and white it's you know it's, it's there's always gray. So it's, but also some cities might not have, you know, I'm lucky because I have that program in my city. Um, most big cities have a program like that. But if you're like in the middle of Iowa in a small town, you might not have free, you might not be able to get free HRT, you know, even if you make less money than me because there's just no organization in your area who provides it. So you might have to, you know, pay out of the nose for it and, you know, all that, or just go without. So it's, you know, there's, there's both sides of the coin. Um, what about like, all right, in South Africa, <clears throat> I asked Haiti this, um, the same question. In South Africa, what do y'all eat over there? Um... So that, that sort of is very, very dependent on like kind of the culture that you're from as well. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, sort of um, my, my sort of heritage is sort of from, from the UK. So it's, it's very like kind of um, a very Western diet. Okay, it's like cheese, cheeseburgers. I, I said bangers and mash because you said the UK. I was trying to be funny, but 
you, you didn't laugh. Sure, yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, the, the, that kind of food, I mean, there obviously are some South African things that sort of you get more more here than you'd get anywhere else. Um, for example, bultong. I don't know if you've heard of that. Bultong? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very, very popular thing in South Africa. Yeah, we um, eat that here too. Yeah, you get, you know, sort of particular dishes such as um, milk tart, um, which is sort of like kind of like a pudding type thing. You get um, sort of some interesting sort of fusion cuisine, like um, there's this dish called the boti, uh, which it's kind of like a curry uh, that was sort of created by the Cape Malay people. Um, what are you thinking? There's also like really super unhealthy stuff like Gatsby's, which are these like, uh, you probably need an image, but it's like a really big roll. Um, I found I I found a list that was written by, well it's I don't know who it was written by I'm assuming an American because it's on an American website, and it's a top ten South African foods to try when you go to South Africa. Is it okay if I read you the list and you say yes or no? If, if yeah, sure, real, go ahead. If it's a real thing, and if like when I go to South Africa, should I try it? <clears throat> All right, so the first one. Is a uh, shakalaka. Shakalaka. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a thing. It's kind of like often served, sort of as a side. Um, sort of usually you would have that sort of like with mash or, or sort of that kind of stuff. They're saying it, it's you'll have it at a barbecue. Hmm. Yeah, you you might sometimes also put it with a um, burrowbush roll as well. That's sort of the, instead of, you know, sort of tomato sauce, or in addition to tomato sauce. So the next one is um, biltong. Yeah, that's definitely a South African staple. It's like, looks like beef jerky. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Um, all right, so next, uh, and this one, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to pronounce it. It's pie. Jekos, J G P O T J I E K O S, pot Jekos. Do I just pasting the word there? Uh, I think I know what you're saying, but I just want to confirm. <laughs> so for for Americans, it looks like uh, beef stew or ropa vieja. So that's American. a poiki. That's called a poiki kos. Um, so it, that's sort of quite an Afrikaans um, sort of thing in it. So a poiki is sort of, if you look, if you search for it, you'd, you'll see sort of like that pot, that sort of black pot. Yeah, it looks like a Dutch, Dutch oven kind of pot. Yeah, so that's usually, um, that's really the only thing that characterizes a poiki course is sort of, something cooked in that and it's usually, it's over an open fire usually um quite popular sort of when you're going um you know camping or something like that okay um durban chicken curry 
Yeah, that's, I mean, D Durban is well known for their curries. Um, there's quite a large Indian uh, community there. Um, Indians and South Africans. Uh, yeah, not, not like Cherokee Indians, but like Indian from India. Yeah, so I mean, I think, yeah, a lot, a lot of that is obviously was just yeah due, due to the history of the country. Um, so they, they, yeah, there's huge. They're, they're quite naturalized. They're like the the Durban Indians are very different to sort of um, uh, Indians from India. If that makes sense, um, you know, they've got a very distinct culture. Yeah. Um. There's obviously um, lots of similarities, but there's lots of differences too. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have is a milk tart. Yeah, it's a, it's a milk tart. You should definitely try that. That's pretty pretty great pudding. Um, an apricot blat blatjing blatjing. I'm 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 gonna Oof. have to paste this one in the uh, in the Discord. I actually have not heard of that. It's let me let me do a search here. Oh, it's chutney. Ah, I see. Yeah, ch chutney is a quite a South African thing. I've just never seen that particular word. Yeah. It, it, um. All right. So number seven is a malva pudding. That that's also very very South African. Um, that's also pretty tasty. Quite a sweet. Uh, sort of baked pudding. Yeah. Usually uh, serve that with custard. Yes, this is. It's comparable to a sticky toffee hmm. pudding. Uh, what's the next one? The next one is pap. Pap. So, so that's kind of like a mash, but that's made out of millies. Um. Sorry, millies are corn. So, pap is basically just sort of a mash made out of corn. Okay. Yeah, like in like like Yankees in America would know it. Like it looks like a porridge kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. So that that's that's often served during a what we call a braai, or I guess you'd call a barbecue. Oh yeah, I was just about to say that. That was the next line that I was just reading. The um, pap, pap is also, for some people, kind of a staple food. So, you know, you'd, you'd eat it all the time because um, it's, it's just very affordable, I guess. So this one, I know I'm going to butcher this one, but so a boar. Borovos. Oh, borovos. <laughs> so, um... So a Buddha is a farmer in Afrikaans, um, and Vos is basically a sausage. So it's saying it's, it's called, it's basically the, the English translation would be farmer's sausage, um, but everyone just calls it Buddha Vos. Uh, yeah, that's a, um, Buddha Vos is great. Um, it's a very pretty flavorful type of sausage. Is it like uh, really like is it like spicy like hot kind of sausage or is it like just flavorful but not like hot? 
it's it's not like a spicy type of sausage. Um, it's got like lots of sort of herbs and things. Hmm. All right, so number ten, the last one. <laughs> this name sounds funny. I don't know why. Uh, beef, bobodi, bobotai, boboti. Wait, was that a word? Did I did I say it right? Boboti. Boboti, yes. Um, yeah, that that's quite a fairly popular dish as well. It looks almost like all right. So if you think of um, shepherd's pie or cottage pie, it looks like it looks like it's served in like the same kind of dish, hmm. but yep. instead of mashed potatoes, it has like something different on top, right? So that that's egg actually. So that's an egg layer, and the um, actual sort of mince is curry usually. So, uh, and it's actually got raisins in as well, and other sort of um, slightly sweeter sort of ingredients. Oh, that's because the thing here is is describing it like minced or shredded meat. Fruit, I guess, would be the raisins, spices. Mm -hmm. Spices, I guess, would be the curry. And custard is the eggs on top, I, I'm guessing. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That, that actually sounds pretty good. Like, I might have to leave the raisins out of it. <laughs> but the I rest think, of it... I think if you had to tell someone that when you ordered that, they'd probably chase you off the restaurant. <laughs> When I go to visit South Africa, do I have to know? Um, actually, while we're talking about that part, I'm just going to Google South African languages and see how many like languages y'all like. Oh, well, there's like a half dozen. So there's eleven official languages. In yeah. Country. Not to brag or but, anything. In the yeah. United States, we don't have an official language because we're really worldly. And you can speak any language you want over here. I love, I love, I've just noticed that that's your, like, catchphrase. What? Not to Not... brag or anything. Oh, yes, I, I love saying that. <laughs> I also like, I also like saying that, like, I have, I have pride in my country, like, I'm the daughter of an immigrant, like, so I have, you know, I'm pretty proud of, of America, but, yeah, I like saying not to brag or anything, and then I like doing, like, ridiculous America quotes, America facts. Um, but when I go to South, do I have to know Afrikaans, or do I have to know um, uh, Songa, or Venda, or Zulu, do I, or can I just speak English? Um, yeah, if you visit, you, you sort of don't, like, kind of, I'd, I'd say English is mostly the language of commerce. Um, so I think there, there is still a lot of like, if, if you're working for a sort of a South African company, a lot, a lot of the large companies still have a lot of sort of Afrikaans management and stuff. Because mm -hmm. uh, the Afrikaans were sort of basically in power for, for quite a long time uh, during the apartheid period. And that sort of legacy still kind of carries over today at some, some of the bigger organizations in the country. 
Um, but if you if you go into you know store or anything, everyone will speak English. Okay, I'm looking at like an interesting map of South Africa, and it's saying like, or what it looks like it's showing is kind of um, Afrikaans is mostly like on the southwestern kind of coastal area where it's dominant. And then, like, the northeastern and the eastern coast um, is more, like, diversified as far as, like, languages go. Yeah, I guess I'd, I'd imagine that chart probably is just showing sort of first or home languages. Yeah, um, yeah, it is dominant languages in South Africa. So, though, I mean, I think everyone sort of basically, unless you go out really deep into sort of the rural rural areas i think most people would speak english uh, obviously speaking I, yeah obviously people probably love you if you try to speak silly or or for cons even um but but that's by no means a requirement yeah, I mean, I would try and I would try and and at least do like, like, at least get the the greeting down, and and just to be polite because I think a lot of people say it's like appropriation or anything something like something dumb like that. But like my my grandma who is from Thailand, and my, my mom is from Thailand too, but she's more Americanized now. But my grandma, she still speaks Thai, so like if you try to say hello to her in Thai. Like she would like love that, you know. Like it's it's respectful, you know. It's it's so I, I would at least yeah. try and figure out how to say like hello or how are you and yeah. I guess the 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 challenging thing is also identifying what language someone speaks. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Um, like for example, is the person Afrikaans or English? Do they speak Sulu or Kosa? Um, like that's actually not that easy. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, at least uh, in, sorry, I kind of lost, lost it. Three yeah, I think I lost you. Um, I, I I think the internet is starting to go bad, so let's just if if you don't mind, maybe we can do this again because like I love just like learning about not just trans stuff in South Africa, but just learning about South Africa in general. So like, if you don't mind, like like we could do another podcast again sometime. Um, oh, but sure, I just need to find times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like no, no, um, no rush or no pressure for that. You know, it's just. Whenever we're both happen to have time, or or if we schedule time like a couple weeks in advance or something like that, um, but I do have one more question. And we've been, I think we've been talking for for a while, almost an hour now, and I know it's late over there for you, so I don't want to hold you up too long. But my last question is, um, when I go to South Africa, will you go on a safari with me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you go on, do, do people in, like, all right, so when somebody comes over here to Florida, they go, like, 
they go to like gator wrestling or they go hold an alligator like with its mouth duct tape and it's been born in like a, a gator farm. But like do Florida people we see alligators all the time, so we don't have to go we like you know, I, I walk out in my in my backyard and there's a lake and I see them right there. I don't have to go to a gator farm to see them. In South Africa, is that the same thing? Like you don't have to go to a safari to see the animals. Y- y'all just have the animals, right? Or No, um, so it's sort of, so, so most of the kind of animals that you're probably thinking of, such as lions and giraffes and zebras and so on, um, but those aren't, you know, sort of the kind of animals that are, you know, sort of just running, running around. Um, but those are all sort of in the sort of national parks. Yeah, there, there's, um, not a, there's no zebras in Joburg, right? No. Um, <laughs> y- yeah, but so that being said, um, you know, occasionally you want some of these like sort of hippos and things will escape and sort of roam around the town, but not not, not sort of my side of the country. Uh, but when, when I was growing up. Uh, I sort of lived in a small town and we had a really bad monkey and baboon problem. So baboons are actually quite, quite scary animals. Uh, they, they're very big and pretty, pretty strong. Um, yeah. So quite sharp teeth. Um, and, you know, so they'd sometimes, you know, sort of invade your house and, and sort of, there's been like once or twice where you've kind of been like trapped in your bedroom. Because these like monkey things, the boons are sort of eating all your fruit and um, doing unspeakable things to the walls. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and monkeys, monkeys as well. Like at school, you know, we always had to like keep our lunch on us, otherwise the monkeys would steal it. <laughs> um, also, the, when you said um, zebra or zebra, um, yeah. I I used to work at Disney's uh, Animal Kingdom, which is like Africa themed, right? And they, since we were supposed to be like everything in Disney is a theme, it's a show. Like so, when you're there, you have to follow the, you know, you're not in Florida anymore. You're in Africa, so we had to use african language or you at least say things the way y'all say it and i was telling this little girl because i I was um i did like uh um events and like activities and stuff so i was talking to this a guest a little girl and i don't know why but i was telling her this a little story about um i was showing her a zebra and i'm like she's like oh a zebra i'm like yeah and i'm like but you know, in in Africa, they call zebras zebras, and then she started laughing like she, you know, like the loudest <laughs> laugh ever. Like what? What is a zebra? I'm like yeah, that's how they that's how they say it over there. I mean, um, but yeah, on 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 that note, on another bad joke note, um, it was really fun to talk to you, and I'm glad like we finally got. A time to record and um i hope we can do it again too because I, I like yeah. I like hearing your accent and you're just really like interesting as a person too so 
Thank you. Hopefully, uh, this is the first podcast I've been on, so hopefully there's some trash. There's probably a huge amount of ums and ahs that you're going to have to wade oh, no. through <laughs> if you're being very meticulous about it all. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I say um and on, and sometimes my voice gets flat if I'm talking for a while. I've done, this is probably like my 500th podcast that I've been on, and I'm still horrible at it. Well, maybe not 500th, but like 35th or something, but <laughs> I'm still pretty bad at it. So, like, um, yeah, it's you, you did great, so no, no Thank worries. You. I'd be um, quite interested to know also just about the, sorry, on an unrelated note, um, just like kind of the history of this sort of server, because there seems to have been like a few iterations of it. So oh, of the Discord be, server? Yeah, because you seem to be mentioning another server sometimes and sort of, this is wondering how long it's been sort of like around for and sort of how that all started and how you all found one another in the first place. Um, yeah, so the, the Discord server, Transitional Space, um, I started that after a really bad breakup um, with this guy who I was, like, head over heels in love with. Colombian guy. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I never really used Discord before, but when I was dating him, he kind of got me into Discord, and then when we broke up, I kind of like secluded myself and I was for a little while and then I was like, well, I need to reach out to people. I need to talk to people before I go insane, which I was already kind of insane at that point. Not really, but, you know, just just really heartbroken. Um, so I created the server. Uh, I just started inviting anybody I could think of. And then now I think it's three years later. Um, we're we're at. 1500 people and i'm working on getting a 501c3 designation which in the united states that's like a a non-profit um y'all might call them ngos uh it's like a, a community like an organization that helps uh, a particular need in the com community and where like i can accept donations like and give people tax write-offs so it's like a that kind of yeah, it's like a government kind of not well not a government kind of thing but it's like a setting up setting it up as a business that provides a need for the for the community basically so it's come That's a long cool. way in this, in this three years yeah it came a long way from me not knowing barely any well not knowing any trans people either because i was like my trans circle my whole lgbt circle was really small so now i i know 1500 trans people you know so um that's all been pretty cool but yeah like how, you've been in the server for like a year now right no no so i joined i joined at the beginning of this year sort of quite like close oh. to when i started hot oh nice I, I thought you i don't know for some reason maybe there was another person from South Africa that I'm confusing you with, and maybe she she left. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I know. I don't know. Uh, when I was, I was sharing it on Reddit, and at one point we had like people from like New Zealand. Well, we still have New Zealand. We still have Australia, but we had people from a bunch of people from Africa at one point. 
like even a girl like from Egypt and stuff like that. So, yeah. Thanks. Uh, it's good to get to chat, Ari. Um, really nice to meet you. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, nice to meet you, and nice to hear your voice finally too. Yeah, uh, um, am I pronouncing your name correctly, by the way? Yeah, Ari. Uh, or or Brittany. Brittany is my is my government name. Um, I like Ari better. But cool. But yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna kick uh, Craig out and.